today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Back to what's happening with COVID-19 and the impact that it's having on, uh, well, the world, uh, and specifically the impact it's having on the United States. Uh, clips of an interview done with Axios, uh, Jonathan Swan from Axios, are going viral on Twitter and other social media as Donald Trump uh, tried to handle and tried to spin uh, some facts about the COVID-19 numbers. Jared H. Sexton joins us on the program here today to talk about how the pandemic has been handled in the U.S., how the government is handling it, and whether the tactic by the president and his administration is, needs to change and what kind of an impact it's having. Uh, Jared, thank you so much for the time. Glad you could be with us again today on the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Dave, uh, we've seen, I think all, probably most people have seen at least snippets of the interview that Jonathan Swan did on Axios. Uh, they played some clips of that, and, of course, the full interview ran just a couple of days ago. Uh, it's, it seemed to me, Jared, is almost a microcosm of, of, of the Trump presidency. Here he was with these papers of these graphs that his staff had given him and, and a couple of the talking points, and, and which were nonsensical and, and didn't seem to, to have any, any flow to them at all. But that's his story, and he's sticking to it. Yeah, you know, the, the the word that keeps swimming up in my mind about this interview and these clips that we're seeing is disturbing. We're seeing a president who's not only out of touch with reality, but seems hopelessly lost in his own reality that has nothing to do with the situation here in the United States. And it's obvious more and more every time that he talks that he, he doesn't understand the severity of, of this massive, massive public health crisis. And the only thing that he's concerned about is gaining some sort of childlike credit for whatever he's done, which isn't very much in the first place. But, it, you know, we, we keep seeing this thing where he considers himself to be the true victim of the pandemic and that somehow or another everyone else is sort of uh, getting the story wrong and they need to pat him on the head again as if he deserves a treat. And it's just really disturbing and uh, unfortunately really telling about what this presidency has been all about. Well, and one of the more blatant examples of that is we were just talking in the last segment of the program here about returning to school. And, of course, that's happening, well, this month in many jurisdictions in the states these days. Uh, and, and Trump, of course, wants everybody back and everything back to quote-unquote normal. Uh, and he's suggesting that the, those those jurisdictions that are saying we can't do that because of our concern for COVID are being branded as people that are doing th- that politically because they want to hurt him. They d- he doesn't seem to understand the underlying cause here of the death toll in, in the United States about this. He's just more concerned about everything back to normal so everybody can be happy come November 3rd. You know, one of the more disturbing things that I found, I, I was doing some research on Donald Trump's history for my new book, American Rule, and what I kept finding was that throughout not only his life, but also uh, his business career, is that he's relied on this magical thinking, this idea that as long as he keeps a positive attitude, nothing could possibly ever happen that is negative. And unfortunately, we're seeing a situation now where thousands, if not millions of people are going to be put uh, in danger and possibly either die or suffer long-term health consequences because he doesn't want to believe that this thing could possibly get any worse or is as bad as everyone believes it is already. And and, and we're, we're really inching up and, and barreling towards, really, a, a massive national tragedy on, on a scale that I don't think a lot of people understand simply because we have a president who does not believe and refuses to believe the numbers that he's being presented at every turn. Well, and by the way, we're going to talk about your book just uh, near the end of our interview here, American Rule, because I know that they can pre-order that, and we'll talk about that and how they can do that in just a couple of seconds. Uh, but there are so many aspects of this that, that just jump out at here, and it, there's the misinformation, which is one thing. But I guess you, you've raised another point here, Jared, that I think is very germane to this conversation. Uh, that there are those that are seeing and hearing this misinformation and saying, well, he's deliberately misleading the American public. 
or is it does he really believe it it, it does and is he really living in in this alternate universe where everything is is all about donald trump and everything is fine the sad truth is i'm not so sure that he understands the difference between the two uh, when you have someone like a Donald Trump, uh, who has been described as having like a reality distortion field, like a Steve Jobs, formerly of Apple, um, this is one of those situations where they become so deeply embroiled in their own alternate reality and in their own type of, again, magical thinking, that the lies and the misinformation, they not only pet them, but they end up believing them. So you can't really tell where the lies end and where the truth begins. And again, this is a situation that has uh, brought America into this alternate reality. We have uh, millions of people here who believe in incredible conspiracy theories and believe in all of these sort of uh, pieces of misinformation that not only cost lives, but are are causing massive tragedies and uh, an economic crisis now. And and with that, of course, uh, comes the the caveat that that I think probably exacerbates the situation is we've always had conspiracy theories about everything from anti-vac people to everything else. And now, of course, they're they're, they're online about uh, what's happening with COVID-19. But but the number one conspiracy theorist is, is the president of the United States. I mean, that has never happened before. Exactly. And one of the things that we find when examining history is that people like Donald Trump, who are inherently authoritarians, uh, again, they believe that everyone who isn't with them is against them. And we're seeing this in these really disturbing moments where he's starting to call protesters Antifa and terrorists, and he's starting to put federal troops into cities to round them up um, and violate their constitutional rights. And so one of the things you end up seeing is you have a malleable reality with people like Trump, where at any moment, if somebody criticizes him or doesn't, you know, uh, pledge fealty in the way that he necessarily wants them to. I mean, we've now seen reports that, you know, states have been denied life-saving supplies for these reasons. And, and, and that's the unfortunate truth, again, is that it's embroiled America into this alternate reality where if you're not with our president, you are one of his enemies and he will not protect you or allow the federal government to protect you. As you've done the research on the book, I'm sure one of the, the themes that uh, that will be in the book, because we've seen it so evidently over the last three and a half years here, is as you say, it's that you're either with me or against me uh, sort of an attitude, uh, but where, where he's perpetrated a number of these things where he's held back equipment, as he did in the early days of COVID, uh, and now holding back po- possible funding for some of the school districts that are concerned about reopening. Uh, it's very much Democratic. Uh, you know, it's the Democratic cities that he's sending troops into. It's the Democratic regions uh, that are democratically representative, uh, where he's decided to hold back or threatened to hold back funding in situations like this. Yet he's the one that's saying that the Democrats are playing politics with this. When the reality is, uh, that's it's it's Trump himself that's, that's perpetrating that. Yeah, one of the problems here is that authoritarians believe that the fate of the nation is their fate and that whatever hurts them hurts the nation. And so you end up having this bizarre symbiotic reality that is completely dysfunctional and destructive. And and you just hit the nail right on the head, which is the idea that these democratic cities or blue states, which are just, you know, beliefs, they're just constructs, they're not real, they're all Americans, but that these people are somehow or another not loyal enough, or they're not really Americans, which is unfortunately something we've seen, uh, you know, rear its ugly head in America over the past couple of decades. But it gets to a point where somebody like a Donald Trump can be in office and actually commit what I would argue are crimes against humanity, this denial of life-saving devices based on politics. And the president himself truly believes that somehow or another he's serving, uh, you know, the interest of the country by serving his own interests, which is how you end up in these self-destructive cycles.
Well, we saw that uh, a couple of months ago when they were talking about uh, the, the ventilators and other things like that, and the statement by uh, his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, that these things we've accumulated are ours. They're not for the people. Uh, the, you know, we'll decide where they're going to go. Uh, which, which I, I mean, that, I think a lot of people were gobsmacked when they saw that, but that seemed to be the prevailing attitude in the White House. Yeah, and, and we're seeing a lot of reports now, unfortunately, that have been verified uh, by, by many outlets and many reporters, where we actually had in place something resembling a national testing strategy at the beginning of this tragedy, and they nixed it because they thought it would be an effective political strategy. And we've also seen reports that Trump was only interested in handling the pandemic when it was affecting, quote unquote, our people or his voters. So what we're actually seeing is a federal government that is betraying its oaths and betraying its responsibilities and protecting the American people and not just dividing people up based on politics, but making decisions about life and death based on who votes for who and who lives in what city, which is just it's an unthinkable uh, act. And, and, and these people, and I, I really think they need to be held accountable. Your, your point a couple of minutes ago about uh, Forum, or again, I, mean, I guess maybe the most blatant example of that recently was Dr. Deborah Burks, uh, who has been, let's face it, I think in many people's minds, uh, a cheerleader for the Trump administration as this whole thing rolled out. She was part of the task force, of course, and sat quietly by as, as, as Trump waxed poetically about hydroxychloroquine and, and about injecting bleach and things of this nature. Uh, she broke from that over the weekend, of course, and suggesting that uh, th- this is a terrible, dire situation and that they're expecting a 1,000 Americans a day will die from the, the COVID-19 virus in the coming weeks. And Trump immediately attacked her on social media. Yeah, and, and none of this is unpredictable is the sad truth of it all. Um, since Donald Trump came upon the political scene, it's been it's been incredibly predictable how this whole thing was going to play out, particularly uh you know, with his inherent authoritarian instincts and his insecurity. From the beginning, we had Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, and Dr. Burks apparently decided to just start giving Trump all of the information that he wanted and giving him the graphs that made him feel better about the situation. And that contributed to uh, a growing tragedy. And now that she's speaking out, um, we're just going to see more and more attacks. And going along with that reality distortion field that Trump uses as a weapon, uh, Dr. Burks is now going to feature into all these conspiracy theories. She's going to be considered an enemy of the people. I'm, I, you know, I'm sure that these narratives are already churning this morning. But we're going to get to a point where the president of the United States does not have any experts around him simply because he needs someone to lie to him and give him the positive stories that he desires and that he needs and he's addicted to. And we're not going to get the response nor the expert opinions that we need. And, and this is starting to morph into, well, let's face it, I was going to say an election strategy. I'm not so sure that he even has one. Uh, it, it, it just seems as if, if the, the, the modus operandi right now is, is not to, to develop a, a policy or a platform that may appeal to people vis-a-vis re-election, but he's basically trying to discredit this election. I mean, the, the common theme we've heard over the last week or two now is that it's, it's, it's fixed. You know, the, the, the mail-in voting, et cetera, et cetera. It's, all, it's going to be voter fraud. And as long as he's got a, an advocate like Bill Barr as the attorney general, I mean, you have to wonder just how far down that road he can go. Yeah, the, the Barr testimony last week was particularly upsetting when he dodged one question after another about whether or not a president could delay an election or contest an election. It seems obvious, again, with Donald Trump's delusionary worldview, that any election that he does not win is inherently unfair. If you look back at 2016, when he obviously lost the popular vote, I believe by 3 million, his immediate response was there were 3 million illegal votes. 
And, and it's that, that sort of continuing congealing worldview that is going to turn whatever happens in November into a rigged election. If he wins, he's not going to believe that it was big enough. If he loses, he's going to believe it was completely rigged and invalid. So again, these things aren't hard to predict. This is a person who will not accept loss and will do whatever is possible to avoid one, particularly uh, to uh, protect his very, very brittle worldview. How's this going to end uh, come November? Uh, I mean, you know, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Mary Trump's book uh, when that came out, and, of course, John Bolton's book a, a short time before that. Uh, the 30% or 35% or whatever it is that, that just love Trump are never going to change. That, that's just what they are and who they are. But is there a shift with those others that may have given Trump a shot uh, four years ago that said, look, this, this guy is just way out there. We can't do this again. We're starting to see that in the poll numbers. Is, are, you, are you sensing that as well? Yeah, I absolutely am. Uh, when I was covering Trump in 2016, I tried to explain to people that there were, you know, the diehard Republicans who were Trumpist. And then there were the other Republicans, the kind they would see at the county fair who would hand out ribbons and badges. Um, those county fair Republicans, the ones who in the past, you know, idolized Ronald Reagan and possibly even George W. Bush, they're starting to peel away. And I think that they understand exactly how dangerous this president has been. The diehards are going to stay. And the unfortunate question is what is going to happen on Election Day and leading up to it and even possibly in the weeks after after he contests these things. America is going to be put through a stress test and we're going to find out whether or not our institutions can survive an authoritarian who won't honor the process of the, the Democratic vote. And if he loses, I, I, I think, and, and a lot of people, a lot of experts and a lot of uh, strategists have, have already wargamed this and seen that this ends in a lot of bad ways that the institutions buckle at all. Well, and, and again, there have been so many books that have been published in so many perspectives. Uh, I, I, I neglected to mention David Frum's latest book, too, uh, that, that talked about that. And, and it's, it seems to be coloring people's opinions on this. And uh, I'm looking forward to your book. Uh, I know it's available in pre-order right now. It's called American Rule, How a Nation Conquered the World but Failed Its People. Uh, if people want to get an advanced copy or order it in advance, Jared, how can they do that? Uh, they can find it at Dutton Books, and of course, uh, they can find it at independent bookstores on bookshop.org, or they can find it on Amazon, wherever books are sold. Excellent stuff. Uh, obviously, I, I'm going to pencil you in right now for after the book's release. I want to talk about some of the content of that, too, and look forward to that conversation. As always, thanks so much for the time today, Jared. Great talking with you again today. Hey, thank you for having me. Take care. Jared Yates Saxton, of course, political commentator and American author who's been covering American politics for many, many years. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.